Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Isabella Bedoya from a company called Fame Hackers. How are you, Isabella? Hey, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. So I thought what we could do to start, Isabella, is, is tell us a little bit about Fame Hackers when you founded the company and what exactly you do there. Absolutely. So uh, Fame Hackers is something that I've been working on for uh, for quite some time now, but it really came to fruition um, around January of 2020 when the okay. right before the pandemic all started. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so what have you, what were you doing prior to that? I know you have record industry experience. Where did you work prior to Fame, Fame Hackers? Uh, that's a great question. So I actually, um, I used to be an A&R for a label under Sony. Um, and then from there, I used to work for a digital marketing. Uh, I had a digital marketing agency, but I also worked for an influencer marketing agency. And, um, and then after that, I, that's when I jumped into Fame Hackers. Very cool. And can you kind of walk us through what you do with the artists that, that you work with, what you do for the artists you work with at Fame Hackers? Absolutely. So I take them. So Fame Hackers is really just an acronym. It stands for four things. Um, the fame is the acronym, th- that part. So it stands for foundation, audience, monetization, and exposure. So when you like break it down, um, as long as an artist has a strong foundation and they know who the right audience is and can attract the right audience, all you really have to do then is monetize your audience, um, then increase your exposure. And then there you have it, you know, then you can actually make a sustainable um, living through your music and through also uh, music related services or products and stuff like that. Very cool. And can you kind of talk about what that looks like in terms of, you know, piecing together enough revenue from music in 2021 and going forward. Uh, like, what, what do you see working? Where are artists that you're working with making the bulk of their money? Is it from Spotify? Is it from YouTube? Is it from, you know, touring is obviously limited right now, but what are you see, seeing working? Yeah, so, and again, that's another great question. So um, the bulk of the, so when it comes to like streaming royalties, it's not really going to bring you the, the most of your income just because streaming royalties this is actually like, unless you're a major artist, you know, like the Drakes or the Beyonce's of the world, that's not really going to amount to much. Um, I think I read the article the other day on Billboard that said that only 7,000 artists have broken $100,000 in revenue from from Spotify, which is really low in comparison to like, I think it's like 3 million creators on the platform or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so when you like look at it from that approach, 
the biggest thing that I focus and I help artists with is like growing their fan bases and monetizing their fan bases. Because once you can actually do that, then you're not necessarily like playing along the rules of traditional music industry. Now you're creating new revenue streams and creative revenue streams that you can actually um, like you can actually monetize your fan base. You can actually make a, a better living through that, through those methods. Yeah. And, and can you talk a little bit, a little bit more about that? Like, what does that look like? Um, what different revenue streams are you alluding to? Yeah, um, absolutely. So the typical and the most traditional ones being like your merch, your ticket sales right now, that's kind of paused, but, uh, but you know, now the, the buzzword, which is NFTs, everyone's talking about NFTs. Um, but really, if you look at it, the way that I see it, if you build a, a value ladder and we see this in like in the business world, right? You have a value ladder, you have an offer that's like a low ticket item, then you have a high ticket item um, and you have offers in between. That way you can serve all of your fans and all of your customers at different levels. Um, so on your lower end being, you know, like your merch bundles, your monthly membership clubs, your uh, your ticket sales, stuff like that. And on the higher end being more like your private shows, like private events and stuff like that. And what are you, the artists that you work with, like, how are they doing, how are they reaching out to their audience? How are they marketing? Is this email marketing? Is this through a newsletter? Like, what do you recommend artists do in terms of just keeping in touch with their core fan base? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, so the best way is going to be through like, you know, keeping things simple through like Instagram or Facebook, um, even TikTok. The thing is when you start getting too much into email marketing or 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 um or SMS like the text messaging apps the thing is that it starts get you you need a little bit more experience or more expertise um especially with emails if you want people to actually read your emails and for your emails to actually make sense you have to know copywriting so keeping that in mind just keeping things simple the the easiest approach is just go on like the social media platforms that your fans are hanging out in um start DMs with them obviously don't spam links of like your music and stuff like that, but just figure out ways that you can actually build real relationships with your fans. Um, which is also non-traditional because people will tell you that to put, to have that barrier, but right now we're in the age of accessibility. So the more accessible you are to your fans, the better results you're going to get. So when, when an artist or a band comes to you and they go to your website, how does your service work? Do they sign up for, do you work with them on a monthly basis? Is it ongoing? Like, what does that process look like if someone were to reach out to you and you guys were a good fit? What What is it that you bring to the table? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I have different, um, I have different programs and different levels as well. So, the very easiest like entry point is going to be the. Uh, what is it? The bootcamp, the, the five day grow your fan base bootcamp. Um, and that one's the most accessible because first of all, it's, it's literally just a five day training and it's also affordable. It's like $49. And, uh, and yeah, it teaches you all the principles that you need to know in order to actually start growing your fan base. Then I have a group coaching program and I also have a one-on-one -on -one program. Um, for the one-on-one -on -one program is more application only. And for the group coaching is more of a it's more of a, a group. It's, it's, uh, it's for people that are already like interested in starting to grow their fan base, starting to generate revenue streams and stuff like that. And what we bring to the table is essentially what I mentioned earlier is helping them. It's just at different levels, depending on where they're at, 
but helping them actually, you know, grow their fan bases, monetize their fan bases, and taking them through the whole, uh, the four pillars that I mentioned earlier of foundation, audience, monetization, and exposure. Okay. Um, cool, cool. Um, no, this is good stuff. Let, let's do this because I, like I really strive in every podcast that I do, like I, I really want to give people as much sort of tangible, practical information as possible. So I want to really hone in on a few different points that you brought up when you reached out to me. So let's kind of circle back to Spotify. I mean, like you said, it's, it's one of many revenue streams and it's, you know, perhaps for the vast majority of artists on Spotify, not a big revenue stream, but I was actually pretty kind of intrigued by the, the, the numbers. Did you see the, the website that uh, Spotify posted? I don't know. It was like a week ago or so where they basically just were much more transparent in terms of their data and who's making money and how much they're making. I mean, you alluded to the 7,000 that are making a hundred thousand plus a year in 2020 which like you said, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you look at how many people are on Spotify, it's a really small percentage, but it's still 7,000 musicians that are making over $100,000 a year. So I thought that, that was actually pretty cool. And then I think it was 14,000 that make over 50,000 that made over 50,000 in 2020. So those numbers um, were perhaps a little better than some people had assumed, I think. So so let's talk about Spotify. Like what can artists do? Like, let's just take that particular platform. What are some things artists can do to get more traction on a platform like Spotify? Because it, it's so, like you said, it's a crowded platform. There's millions of artists on Spotify. And I think there's something like a million songs posted every 30 or 40 days or something like that. So it's very, very easy to kind of get lost in the sea of music that, that's on Spotify. But what are some things people can do to kind of rise above the surface a, a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually pretty crazy. The A couple of days ago, they released a new article saying that it was 60,000 songs uploaded daily onto Spotify. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it was like 44 like last year when I, when yeah, I yeah, did yeah, the it, research. It, so it's grown since then. It was a huge jump. Um, yeah, so this is where like the composition starts to to set in, right? Because now artists are kind of like, okay, well, live touring is canceled. Um, now there's a lot of competition on Spotify. Like, how can we actually make music work? And a lot of people start thinking it's a pipe dream, and and you know, it's just a negative rabbit hole to go down. But um, but really, it, it just kind of goes down to uh to two things. Like, first, you have to actually understand your artist identity so you can understand your your fan base. Meaning, you have to understand what it is that you want to do with your music, uh, like what kind of impact or message or story that you want to tell with it, and then tie in understanding your fans. That way you can create your music in a way that resonates to them. So you start creating this movement or culture. And when you have that clear understanding, that's kind of like your your base foundation. You have that strong, um, that like strong blueprint that now you can turn around and you can say, okay, playlisting isn't really going to do much unless you're getting into the bigger playlists, uh, playlisters. So you really just have to rely on the fans. Um, and this is also when paid marketing goes into play. This is perfect time to start running Facebook ads or start running Instagram ads. And the thing is, here's where people run into problems. They jump straight into ads without having this foundation figured out. And then what happens is they waste a lot of money because they don't really know what it is, who the end goal is, who the end yeah. user is. They don't really know all these things. And then the other problem being that they don't really know how to set up ads and retargeting ads and 
And, you know, it's not as easy as just putting up an ad on Facebook and, and hoping that it works. There's a little bit yeah. more strategy to it and stuff like that. So, um, and then the most important part, when you are running ads, how are you making your money back, right? You should have a monet- re, um, you should have a monetization strategy in place so you can make your money back and continue investing in ads. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot of different factors that tie into it. But once you pull them all together and those three components in particular, then, um, you know, the, the artist identity song, the purpose of the song, um, the target audience, and then the strategy for your Facebook or paid marketing and monetization, then you should be in a really good spot. So, and, and these are all things that you help the artists that you work with, I'm assuming. Do you, do you, do you help them set up Facebook ads and do the copywriting and so forth? Is that, are those things you help them with? Absolutely. Um, so but like a few, what was it like? more than a year and a half ago, I actually had a digital marketing agency where I would help artists do this. Uh, I would do it for them. But now, now I'm more on the, so now I'm more on the, uh, like, I'll do it with you. I'll show you how it's done. That way I don't have to like be there every single month um, holding your hand. Like if I, it's kind of more like teach a man how to fish mentality, where if I show you how it's done, then you'll, you'll do it for yourself. And then when you get to a point where you can delegate, then we also have, um, I also have a team that we can delegate to, but a lot of the times people aren't ready for the delegation yet. And there's a lot of testing that they have to do. So that's always important to like not skip over. Yeah. And and speaking as someone who's sort of dabbled in Facebook ads for, for many years, you know, probably close to, to a decade, really just fairly recently, I kind of, I kind of feel like I cracked the code a a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm a master at Facebook advertising, but for many, many years, I would sort of dabble and post ads and have very minimal results. But really just within the last six months or so, I kind of stumbled upon an ad that that works really well for, for me. And this is more from the business side of things, but I'm just sort of agreeing with with what you said that, you know, you can't just throw together a Facebook ad and, and expect to, uh, you know, for it to work and be, be profitable right out of the gate. It really takes... Um, takes a little work and, and creativity and trial and, and error. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but but can you maybe talk a little bit about Facebook ads? Like what are some kind of tips you have in terms for the proper way to market yourself? You talked about artist identity. Like what are some things artists should be aware of when they're putting together ad campaigns? So it's a great question. Um, you're going to save a lot of time and, and money once you figure out your, uh, your your audience right so and in the beginning this might take a little bit of testing uh first thing is you never want to start with an ad uh more than five dollars a day if you start with more than five dollars a day you run the risk of like um you know there's there's so many risk factors it could be your creative meaning like your your video your image could be off it could be your copy meaning the text that that could be off um and giving you a tip also for copy when you write copy when you write text on ads or on social media, you always want to make sure that you're not really focused on uh, features. You want to make sure that you're focused on benefits. So meaning like never say something like, check out my new song. It was produced by two times award-winning Grammy nominee or whatever. Um, You would say something more along the lines of like whatever the message is behind that particular song. And then you would tie it into a pain point that resonates to your ideal fan or ideal listener. So for example, um, giving you an example from, from the past, you know, sure. 50 Cent, he's all about get Richard I trying. 
So if you say something like, um, you know, the, this song will help you, I don't know, just like coming up with something right off the bat, you know, this song is going to help you feel motivated to uh, make a lot of money for your family. And it just happens to be one of 50 Cent songs that's going to resonate more than just saying, like, check out this new song or check out my streaming link or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, a- a- absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's really important because, be, like you said, there's just so much music out there right now that if you're just posting your link and saying, hey, check out my latest song, it, like it doesn't really give people anything to to uh, latch on to. But, but here's my question for you. Let's say you do this and you do it properly and you you kind of really hone in on something relevant to your music that people can, can kind of hold on to. How can you retain those people as, as fans? Like, like what's the next step other than just having them go check out a video, go listen to a song. Is there anything you have artists do so they can, they can retain these people they're advertising to? Absolutely. There's two things that you can do. First thing is make sure that your social media is already primed to receive this type of, um, this type of ideal fan. And this is why this is one of the first fundamental things that you figure out. So that when you do run ads, you have content that they can fall back on. And, and like yeah. once they watch a video, they'll be inclined to watch another piece of content and whatever. And uh, and it'll all have the same messaging and branding, uh, at least brand pillars tying together. Second thing is you can actually DM people. <laughs> yeah. um, here's a magic trick, right? You can actually talk to people. You can actually uh, engage with every single person that has liked or watched or commented, you can send them a private DM and not necessarily saying like, the way that I do DMs is more of like, this is my formula. It's hi, first name. So you always address them by a name. Then you give yeah. them a compliment and then you ask them a question. That way they're forced to reply or like yeah. more inclined to reply than just saying like, thanks for checking out my song. Hope you're well. That's yeah. not going to do anything. But if you say like, hey, um, like for example, hey, Aaron, you know, I love your podcast you guys are producing like really amazing episodes and so on and so forth. And, you know, let me just ask you a quick question. What made you pick this topic? And you insert a topic. Now yeah. you're going to be like, Oh, wow. Thank you for checking out my podcast. Yeah, sure. And you're, you're going to be more inclined to respond to me. Yeah. So you do the same with fans and when you treat them like humans, they're going to act like humans and um, it might take a couple DMS or so, but you'll notice that a lot of people will start following you and engaging with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good idea. Actually reaching out, and engaging with with real people, I think we sometimes forget that that there are actual human beings, you know, on the other side of Instagram <laughs> or the other side of Facebook or or YouTube. Yeah, it, it reminds me of I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, I forget the guy's name. It, it was some successful self help motivator, make a lot of money guy. It was one of those guys, but he said something really interesting, <laughs> which is you know if you and it was kind of along the lines of DMing people, but within the context of business, but we can just apply this same sort of mindset to music. He's like, if, if you reach out to one person, probably nothing's going to happen. If you reach out to five people, probably not much will happen. But what if you reached out to five people a day and you did that every day for a year, that would be, I think it's like 1,850 people or something like that is, is the math. He's like, you know, then it's very likely that something could happen. It only takes one person to kind of change the whole tra- trajectory of your career. It, I, you know, I did an interview with a guy about a year or so ago who does really well on Spotify, you know, circling back to Spotify. And he did this. He DM'd, I think it was like a thousand uh, YouTubers in a similar genre. 
And I think it was just one of them happened to have a really big playlist, liked his music, put it on a playlist and, and really catapulted his career. So I think it's really, it's good advice. Reach out. Yeah. It, it's interesting too, because like, uh, what you said, you know, at the end of the day, it really is just a numbers game, especially yeah. when you're not jumping straight into paid ads. This is like how artists can actually take action right now. You know, you don't have to have your $5 a day ads. You can just a cell phone and a free social media account and at least one song out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you can start building that community. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to focus more on music licensing in general, this podcast, that's sort of the topic that I emphasize and it's the same thing in the context of licensing, which is if, if you are trying to get your music licensed and you submit your music to one supervisor or one music library, yeah, probably not much is going to happen. But if you do that every day and you reach out to three or four, four or five people a day and you keep doing that, eventually it's a numbers game and things will happen. Someone will like your music. Someone will sign it. Eventually you'll get it licensed. So you really have to, you have to hustle. You have to stay on your grind. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> so what do you, you mentioned in one of the uh, bullet points, Submit Hub and Payola. I'm not as familiar with Payola. What do you think about services like Submit Hub in terms of getting on playlists and blogs and so forth? Uh, you see, it's, it's such a catch-22. <laughs> yeah. um, it's such a catch-22 because it, it gives you this like, or what I've seen at least, it gives artists a lot of two things, either frustration because everybody's like very gatekeeper vibes of like, we like your music, but not our style or like just um, some people will completely critique because you have to, in order to, when you submit into Submit Hub, you have to, um, on the receiving end, you have to give back feedback if they want to get the credit, the paid credit. So artists are getting feedback left and right. And at the end of the day, like I get critique is good and I get that feedback is great. But if you word it incorrectly or the way that you deliver it, it could actually make or break an artist if they're not mentally prepared to handle that feedback. Right. So hmm. first of all, you have to consider the fact of like mental health. Um, are they actually ready to receive uh, criticism? Most of the times artists aren't ready to receive criticism. So that already can set them back a few years because now they're like, so-and-so thinks my music sucks. And it's like, well, Maybe there's some improvement to make, but, but, you know, don't take it to heart. At the end of the day, music is subjective. Yeah. Um, second thing is with Submit Hub, um, when the artists don't really know how to like properly approach artists and stuff, or uh, I mean, sorry, playlisters and stuff like that, they'll waste a lot of credits just sending their music everywhere, hoping that at least someone gives them the opportunity yeah. of the day. So that will, that will be a, a financial drain. And then the third thing being that it gives you, once you do get those playlist um, submissions, I, again, like if it's not a major playlist and if it's not, you know, the top first couple of, of rows, it's just going to give you this perceived sense of, of success where you're like, well, I'm getting playlisted everywhere. Why am I not getting success or why am I not experiencing success? And, and the reality is that there's also so many factors to consider, you know, Spotify playlists, there's so many that uh, that are like riddled with like bots. And if your music gets caught with like bot activity, it could actually take down your music. Yeah. So you have to be really, really careful when you get into playlisting. And at the end of the day, you're not really after playlisting because these are like passive listeners. These are people that are just listening to your track, but they have no idea who you are. Maybe they think the sound is cool. Maybe they think that the the song actually has a catchy instrumental or whatever, but um, or a catchy melody or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to become uh, fans 
And that's why you bring social media into the mix, because if you actually target from a human to human interaction, especially in the beginning, sending out those DMs, it's going to be so much easier for you to say, hey, by the way, here's my Spotify after you have a little bit of rapport built rather than the other way around of like all these random listeners. How can you actually say, hey, here's my Instagram? Yeah. What sort of time frame, like how long would it take an artist to implement some of these tactics and strategies that, that you recommend and see really tangible results? Like, let, well, let me let me clarify. Let me preface that by saying, let's say this hypothetical artist has their music's on point. It's ready. They have great tracks. They've spent time honing their craft. They have great production, great tracks, uh, great band name or artist name. All of that's in place. And then they're, they're ready to market it. What sort of a time frame do you see needed to get from point A to point B? Um, that's a really good question. I would say at minimum, at the very minimum, you should start with like uh, 30 to 60 days out. And that's because the first couple of weeks you have to focus in on um, actually like testing things, right? Like testing the conversational flows. A lot of the times it's just mastering messaging, like in terms of, of how you converse with other people. Um, so once you go through those testing and those like initial um, engagements and practices, now it's actually starting to get results. Now, if you're releasing music in the in the whole mix, you have to take into account the pre-release, you have to take account the post-release. Um, and it's just so many different variables. But if you really hustle and if you start like your communications right this second, you can start seeing results uh, right away as long as you have your offers already in place. And your offers meaning like, you know, what's the end goal? Is the offer going to be stream my song? Then the result's going to be whenever that song comes out. If the offer is going to be buy my merch, then that could be like a, a pretty... Um, it, that those conversions could happen on a daily or within a couple of days. So in terms of, I mean, streaming, that's obviously pretty straightforward. You want people to stream your music. What, what, what do you see sort of effective in terms of merchandise? What are some the types of merchandise that artists are selling that they're able to supplement their income really effectively with? So there's a couple, um, the, the thing is that I focus more on like, how can we get you to monthly recurring revenue? Yeah. Because then it's money that's always coming in. So when you're selling like, like merch um, or like merchandise, like shirts, iPhone cases, hoodies, all that stuff, those are more, more just like one-off sales. Like how do you actually guarantee that they're going to come back every single month? Sure. So one thing that you can do is you can set up a monthly recurring membership, which means that just like Netflix, you're going to get at least $10 coming in every single month. Um, and you could also sell it as an annual subscription. And that's where the theory of a thousand uh, loyal true fans comes in, right? Because yeah. as long as you have a thousand fans, you, you sell them an offer for a hundred dollars, then you have a hundred K in revenue um, over the course of a year. So that should be like the goal of every artist out there is like, how can you actually get a thousand fans to join your monthly membership club? And, you know, whether they give you a hundred dollars right off the bat for the year subscription, or if they pay $10 a month, that'll equal out to $120 at the end of the year. So it'll be a little bit more. Yeah, no, very cool. I mean, th these are all really good ideas. Are there any other sort of ideas or, or tidbits of wisdom that you can leave us with any, any other kind of things for, for artists out there to think about? Yeah, um, I'll leave you with, with one more. So figure out your offers, right? And your offers are anything from your low ticket items 
to your mid ticket to your high ticket. So if you think about it in like a dentist, like for example, the dentist, right? When you go to the dentist, if the dentist was only selling like braces and like Invisalign, that would be high ticket. And if they weren't selling like the the teeth cleaning and the teeth whitening, they'd be losing out on all this money. So as independent artists, you have to think about, okay, what am I going to sell on the low ticket end? Um, First of all, like, am I going to do email? Am I going to get better at email marketing or community like SMS type of um, platforms? Um, That way you can also control more conversations later on and and continue the fan nurturing, fan engagement, all that. And then you want to think about, you know, okay, so what are your offers? $10 offer, $50 offer, you know, $200, $500 offer. And then you start getting into your hundred into your thousands, right? Um, A thousand dollar offers, 3k, 7k offers and stuff like that. And just figure out what those might look like for you. For some, it looks like uh, towards the higher end, it might be private shows or keynote speaking events or keynote um, playing at like corporate events and stuff like that. For some might be ghost production. It, It really just depends on what people like to do and what skills they have and just set it up in a way where you have a menu that way you have different things for different price points. Excellent. Well, listen, Isabella, thank you so much for coming on the the podcast today. This is the first podcast I've done in a couple months. So it's it's good to kind of get this fired back up. So I'm glad you could come on today. Let's tell people where they can learn more about you and, and fame hackers. What is your website address? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much, Aaron, for having me. The website is thefamehackers.com and Instagram is at, um, at thefamehackers. At thefamehackers and famehackers.com. Excellent. We'll go check out Isabella's website. And um, if people are interested in working with you, how does that work? Do they just send you an email or, or is all the information pretty self-explanatory? Yeah, if they're interested, they can uh, reach out via the easiest way is probably going to be Instagram. My personal Instagram is um, I-Z-Z-W-O-R-D. So it spells out is word. I-Z-Z-W-O-R-D. Awesome. Well, listen, Isabella, thank you so much. Isabella, have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. This was fun.